21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik. As I saw you, you were on University of Miami with a main subject, something regarding research. <laughs> yeah, huh? it, uh, it, that's a part of it. I love saying the title of my undergraduate degree. It's it's a Bachelor of Science in Stochastic and Deterministic Models of Operational Research. Oh, that 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 sounds so, very sexy. It, it, it is so it sexy whenever I could say it without actually getting getting all the syllables right. Short answer, how do you model systems, how do you model people, and how do you improve the, the model? Uh-huh. And so it's, it's, uh, it, it turns out I've been using my undergraduate education my, my entire life. Who could say that? <laughs> uh, but but it, it, does it help you with uh, your uh, Credibility Nation Summit? That will start in a few days. Well, actually, can you tell us something about you, and then we will speak about your summit. All right. Yes, yes, and yes, and absolutely. So, Mitchell Levy, global credibility expert. I have just wrapped up, spent 12 months interviewing 500 thought leaders on credibility. 500. 500. And it was a beautiful transformation process, not, not just for the people being interviewed, but also for me. And what ended up happening is, first, I have a new definition of the word credibility. Um, I've got new words I want to add to the vernacular. And I ended up, uh, the book just recently came out. So there's a book called Credibility Nation that uh, is landed on Amazon October 1st. Um, We're doing an Amazon campaign October 8th. And then running a summit is what directly came out of it. And the summit, it's October uh, uh, 9th and 10th. And the reason for the summit is because I'm making a call, a call for us to focus on something that's really necessary. And that is, if you, if you now, and I'll tell you the robust definition of credibility, but if you look mm-hmm. at what, what credibility means and whether or not people are living credibly. So credibility is not a single word. It's, and once again, it's defined incorrectly in the dictionary. Credibility is a way we live, a way we act. Somebody is credible or not credible. And I decided that I, for movement, and this is a movement, it's the Credibility Nation movement. For movement, we needed a nemesis, needed an arch rival. And, you know, I didn't want to pick a person or, or government or a state or a company. So I made up my own arch rival. And I call that arch rival dubious. So essentially, it's Excuse me, where, where can we find your tribal? On the Facebook, LinkedIn, where is it? Uh, wait, I'm sorry, which? Are you looking for the definition of credibility? No, no, no. Oh, the, the, the tribal. tribal. The tribal. You, oh, the arch tribal. So Credibility yeah. Nation mm-hmm. is on social media everywhere, and you can just go to credibilitynation.com. The arch rival is something I made up. So I picked up the URL dubiousnation.com, but I just haven't done anything with it yet. And what I will say, though, if somebody is credible, you could say you're part of Credibility Nation. If somebody is not credible, I would say you're dubious. Mm-hmm. And the number of people in the world that are dubious versus the number of people in the world that are credible far outweigh. And so my 
my goal, my movement, the focus I want to help people educate and get understanding on is how can you live life more credibly? How can you be a better human? How can you serve others better? And so that's really what the summit is about is kicking off a movement. Uh, we've got 25 speakers. It is the short answer is if you can present yourself credibly and act credibly, you become a magnet and you become a magnet for those prospects, those people who, who feel good about who you are and what you can do and want to hire you. And so I just think it's better for business and it's also better for your own personal self. Okay. First question. How, how would you, define your transformation from point A to point B. You can choose between uh, your, some of your personality traits. Uh, uh, was any uh, uh, rewriting, mind rewriting involved? What was your transformation about? Is this a 30 second answer or a two minute answer? One hour answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, I could I could take the hour, but I'll make it short. Okay, we are not Joe Rogan, so <laughs> choose your time. <laughs> so, what happened is uh, I've done a lot of things in my life. I've been I sat on the board of a public firm. I've I've created twenty companies in Silicon Valley. I've I've been in thought leadership for for twenty five years. And as a publisher, I started publishing in two thousand five. And between 2005 and 2017, I published over 800 books. And what I realized- Excuse me, excuse me. Did I, did I heard you correctly? How many, how many books did you publish? Oh, well, since, uh, f since I started the company now, 850. Ah, okay, okay. It was not but, one, one month period. No, no, no. I, what ah, I said okay. was between 2005 and 2017. Ah, okay, sorry, excuse me, my mistake. Oh, no, that's all right. I mean, that would be pretty- spectacular um, uh, to do that in a month. So <laughs> what I realized, Martin, what I realized is, and this is towards the end of 2017, I, I did a TED talk the year before I had done a, a Kickstarter that had 250% of goal. And, and what happened when I was thinking about the TED talk is I realized that I was serving the wrong audience. The audience I was serving were people who wanted to write their own books. And the, the particular problem, if somebody wants to write their own book, what, they, what that typically means is they feel their content is amazing enough that as soon as they put their content in a book, it's going to sell itself. Mm -hmm. And what I started doing in 2018, I created a, a writing school. We've graduated 50 uh, students out of it. And what we do now is done for you book writing. So the cool part, if somebody wants a book, four months from the time we start, 10 hours of their time, I've made them an Amazon best-selling author. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that, that was 2018. And, and a couple months into that, I realized I needed a new title. Mm -hmm. I was using the title uh, Thought Leader Architect. Nobody knew what that was. I, the AHA guy is something I was using too. And so I went to one of my friend's uh, camps and we actually created a new brand and it was Global Credibility Expert. Mm -hmm. So great title, been in thought leadership, for, for 25 years, I felt comfortable with it. But I woke up two months later and I go, and I, something flashed in my head. It was just simply Napoleon Hill, 500 millionaires think and grow rich. Mitchell Levy, 500 thought leaders. And I, I, honestly, at the time, I had no idea what would come out of it. Uh -huh. 
I kind of started this interview process because I wanted somebody to look at me and go, yeah, yeah, you are a global credibility expert. So Martin, the first thing that happened, I'll give you two or three points of transformation. Somewhere around interview 40, I entered flow. I just sort of, I, I knew who I was. I didn't need anyone to tell me that anymore. Excuse me, can you define flow? What's flow for you? Energy you know, flow, flow, mind flow, a, all yeah, kinds of flows. It's a great question. It, flow is this, this place that you exist where you feel like the world's evolving in, in, a, in a beautiful way, that you're, you're in harmony with things that are happening, that, that I don't need the recognition of somebody patting me on the back and saying, yeah, you're this person. I just knew by how I would deliver value for those people that I was interviewing with, I knew who I was and how I can contribute. specific basis for your flow definition something like uh, second order cybernetics uh, gestalt uh, nlp any specific technique uh, religion anything life experience that's a beautiful question Thanks. so can i tell you you're the first human to ask me that question i decided to use those words because i was i was in a um Jennifer Huff, I was in a weekend retreat with her. And what she would attribute to is, is physics and the way the world worked. Uh -huh. She would have contributed to life experiences and understanding what the universe is talking to you. I can't tell you that's it, but that's the word she used and it just felt really comfortable. Yeah, I've never sure. actually looked it up in the dictionary. So I don't yeah, sure. know if I could say I'm an expert on flow. I just could say that I felt comfortable that with my own skin and who I was. Well, you know, it's it's even better if, if you can just feel it and it usually it's very, very hard to verbalize it. So if you can't verbalize it, then it's it's not fake, it's for real. Yeah, I wish I, I you may cause me to look it up, but I have so many other things to worry, to, to focus on. I, I'll probably let that one go. Um, so let me, sure I've got two other places I want to tell you about. When I hit interview 250, I kind of thought, I don't have a title for my book yet. And so what I, what, I what I recognized is I needed to come up with a title. And what I often tell people is the title of their book, the way they craft their website, the way they, they what they optimize around their LinkedIn profile and, and their, their social media should be, and it's typically the first question I ask on the, on, when I'm doing the interviews, I ask five questions. Mm -hmm. First question is always the same question. It's what's your CPOP? What's your customer point of pain? Mm -hmm. Well, I'll say, Martin, we'll come back to that. 98% of people need coaching on their CPOP. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I thought, well, what's my CPOP? And up until then, I was the, the customer point of pain I was using was the customer point of pain associated with my publishing company. And, and when I sat down and, and when I actually said it to myself and I actually wrote it down, I said, I said, that's not me as the global credibility expert. That's me as the publisher. So I threw away the one that was me as a publisher. And as a global credibility expert, I said these words, humans that want to be seen as credible. And that's my customer point of pain. So that was interview 250. And 
then we'll come back to the, 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 the nuggets I dropped on the ground. Those people who I want to serve, who are they? And what is their primary problem? And for me, really, it's humanity wanting to be seen as credible. Uh -huh. So that was going to be the title of my book. I'm not selling pain. What I'm trying to recognize when we, when, when you have a CPOP is that you actually understand who the user communicate, who the user committee is that you serve. And specifically, what is it that is, what is it in their hearts? What is the biggest problem that they're having? And you're oh, not I going see. into diving after the problem. What you're trying to do is establish trust. So, mm -hmm. so I, let me finish the transformation question and let yeah, me sure, the sure, sure. of credibility. You're now in the flow and <laughs> transformation and... No, 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 Martin, dude, you've got, we've got like three or four threads going simultaneously. <laughs> okay. So, at interview 475, I, it wasn't exactly that, it was plus or minus, the biggest transformation happened. And, and I, I'll have to come back and give you the definition of credibility. But what happened is I... I want to put my arms around it where the feeling was. I've always thought in my life that there was something wrong that, that, you know, when mom and grandma told you to be nice to other people, mm -hmm. look them in the eye, shake their hand, deliver what you say. It doesn't matter if you have a contract. I always lived those values. And it bothers me that we don't, that in general human society doesn't. And I always thought there was somebody going to come and 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 change things and mm -hmm. i have to surprisingly say we ignoring politics i kind of thought it was obama i kind of felt like that was a point in time where something amazing would come out of that and it didn't mm -hmm. and somewhere around interview 475 i realized that that person who's going to help shepherd in what we need to do that person is me mm -hmm. and and it's it's both scary and exciting at the same time and so that's what the book credibility nation is that's what the movement is that's what the summit is focused on and what's different about when i see uh let's say all the heart-centered groups that are focused on driving your cause they have really amazing causes uh -huh. but they don't set up a business model that makes money because if you don't uh -huh. if you can't fund what you're doing it can't sustain well past the the organizers being part of that. Mm -hmm. so, can you define fun? I'm, sorry. Can you define fun? Can I define fun? Yeah, fun doing yeah. fun on what level? Oh, Cognitive level, emotional level, transformational level, learning level. I uh, yes. <laughs> yes, yes, and yes. <laughs> yes okay. Yes to all sure of I, 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 in my TED talk, one of the things that I said, if work goes play, you can play all the time. Okay. I, I've always, I've always loved what I do, Martin. And what happened though is, I believe the way I was structured up until now, it was always based on somebody else's focus of who I should be and how I should make money and how I should be a family man and. And I, I think once I started working for myself in 1997, I really became my own person, but I still didn't let the full breath of what I could do take over. 
And, and that's kind of, so what does fun mean? You know, I believe the, the world today requires us to have money. The world day, today requires us to have something where we could, whether we're bartering goods or bartering services or bartering uh, cash, we, we need money. And how do we get money? Well, we provide a product or service that delivers money to us. And the way the industrial age was structured, the industrial age was structured where we cared only about uh, the big company and the people itself were just cogs in the wheel. Self, it, we cared about just climbing to the top at whatever we were doing. The industrial age sucked from a humanity perspective. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And what I'll tell you is we're still in the industrial age. The only thing that's different thing. Mm -hmm. is that we now have all these tools and technologies that allow to take the bullshit we learned in the industrial age and make it happen faster. Was the competition? We gain the competition. We need some competition. Y'all ain't no competition. Yo, where's the competition? We gon' the competition. We need some competition. Y'all ain't no competition. It's time to ball. Yeah, shout it, time to ball. Cause see, we about to start. And we have more knowledge regarding neuroscience, for example, and positive psychology. We do. Well, that's the cool part. We keep learning and growing, mm. and. One of the things, no, nobody could ever say that COVID was good. So, mm -hmm. so, so don't imply in what I'm saying that COVID was good. What I'll say is things go in cycles. So we used to be in, I'll just call it in the old days when we lived in villages, call that the village economy. Mm -hmm. In a village economy, everyone knew everyone else. So privacy didn't exist. However, what did happen is people were generally good to each other. Mm -hmm. right it's it, they would self-police what would happen if if I, I i always love to use this example is let's say the baker in a community started baking baking products that would get people sick there isn't a baker police that would come along and say hey fix that mm -hmm. the community would fix it or the community would ostracize mm -hmm. and we entered this industrial age where we we didn't care about humans anymore we just cared about making money and and helping people thrive. And now we've got all these phenomenal, these phenomenal tools and a lot of growth. And what COVID allowed the world to see simultaneously, it was kind of the, uh, you could think of it as the, the, the TV commercials in the US, in the United States was, uh, you smack yourself in the back of head, oh, I should have had a V8. Or it's the, it's the, I just woke up from a dream. It's all of a sudden, all these people, who thought it was acceptable to commute for two hours every day, to wake up uh, when it's dark and to get home when it's dark, not seeing their kids uh, other than over the weekend where they had to do this other stuff. And so their entire lives, they would, they would work their fannies off to the point where they'd retire and then have a heart attack when they, when they retire and never having had an opportunity to enjoy life. All of a sudden COVID happened. And those people who always wanted to work from home and the company stayed open were now given a chance to work from home. And they go, oh, this is kind of cool. Why do I have to go back to work? Those people whose home lives sucked and now they're being forced to stay home are recognizing, I don't like this. Like mm -hmm. what happened is we all got to take a station identification. We all got to sit back and go, where are we? What is it that we need to do? Where is it that we're going and you know there aren't any answers 
I look at it typically as, as a, a member of society, I'd be looking to my government to help educate me to how do I move forward. When, when the millions of people who make money today by driving a vehicle, uh, bus drivers, truck drivers, uh, even uh, taxi cab, Uber, Lyfts, when all of those jobs go away, and they will have autonomous vehicles. And they will, no and matter will. COVID. Absolutely. Because, because of the AI and and absolutely so, so great what? guys like Elon Musk, but the, the 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 it's the reality. I mean they will they will stay without job. So the thing is, who is taking on the responsibility to say, hey, this section of society who now will not have employment, where do we shift them? And nobody's taken, nobody's taken them all. And so what happens is, you asked me, this started with what's fun. Mm-hmm. Fun is for those people who either are working from home or hate their job and want to do something else, and they find something that they actually enjoy doing. They find something that's either a product that they create or a service they deliver. And by the definition of fun, it means when they wake up in the morning, they go, man, I can't wait to talk to my first person. That's to me, that's fun. And one of the things for me that is this beautiful, my interviews, they're a half hour long. Um, when somebody is interested in a, and I now call them credibility sizzle reels. When somebody is interested in creating a cred reel, they, they get a 13 minute video up front on how to prepare. They get to watch past episodes. And the first question I ask them is what is your CPOP? And, that, like I said, 98% of people don't get that right. So I, I ask, hey, do you mind if I do a little bit of coaching? And we'll do five or 10 minutes of coaching, just clarifying their messaging. And here's the most amazing thing. So this is, for me, this is fun, is someone may walk in the door with a particular CPOP and they're either exactly on par or it needs to completely change. And when all of a sudden you give them that thing, it was inside them, right? So for me, questions two and three help emphasize whether or not the, the CPOP is, is, is the right thing or whether or not um, they mean something else. So I'll give you a good example. There's a guy who um, is a, a large CTO, chief technology officer for a major organization. And, and what I now challenge the interviewees. I, I say, hey, will you be in the 2%? You know, and so, so he comes in, he gives me this beautiful CPOP, customer experience. And now here's what I, when somebody says, I go, man, that's, I love that. That might actually be your CPOP. Do you mind if I reserve comment on that until I hear your answers to two and three? Mm. And so they typically, people say, okay. And then, so what happened is, I ask them the answer, the question to typically. So if I say, what is your customer point of pain? And, and they give me one. I th- then I say, tell me more. Because a good CPOP is one to 10 words. When the three seconds, it is shareable. It's memorable. And it begs the question, tell me more. What happens if somebody says customer experience, like this guy said, customer experience is, is my CPOP. I then say, tell me more Mm. and now let me give you the third question now typically when i say tell me more it's what service do you offer and it's typically one minute so in one minute what do you do to address that cpop your customer's point of pain and in the third question i say how do you have credibility to do what you do Mm -hmm. 
So if I'm looking back at the definition of credibility, which I haven't given yet, the definition of credibility is not just that I have demonstrated right now in the dictionary, it's that it's the demonstration of trustworthiness is what credibility means. That's only one third accurate. Sure thing. The definition of credibility is to both being known, being likable, and being trustworthy. And under each of those components, I've got 10, or each of those areas, I have 10 components that, that make up what those words mean. And so when, and we could dive back into that, but, and, and that's all that stuff's in my book. Um, I will put it, the book will, uh, I have all that stuff, it, it will, that'll come out in the summit. And I don't think I have those graphs anywhere, but those will, will frequent everywhere. And uh, so the first three questions is helping the person demonstrate trust. Because if you could say what your customer point of pain is, if you could say how you solve that point of pain, you're, you're you know, tell me more, and you could say how you're credible, what you're really doing is building trust in the mind of the person you're talking to. All right, so you, you hit the nail on the head. So when, when somebody gives me their CPOP, what I'm listening to when they tell me how they solve their customer problem, when they tell me how they have credibility, I'm listening for the words that they highlight in their conversation. I'm listening to the words that are most relevant to them. Maybe it's a little bit of NLP. I, you, could, you can label it however you want. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, sure. In this particular case, what was really beautiful is, is the, it wasn't about customer service. At all. No, no, it, it, it was about allowing the company to scale. Mm -hmm. What he, his primary thing that was most exciting to him was allowing the company to scale. So imagine if, you know, one day you did the same amount of business you did the year before. If the right systems are in place, you could scale. Mm -hmm. So after I hear him talk about questions two and three, I, I asked him, I said, I think I have an idea of what your CPOP is. Can I try something on you? And by the way, I love one word CPOPs. You know, there, there are some people have credibility is another one that, I'm sorry, you know, credibility could be one. Uh, profitability is one that people have. Uh, I loved one, four words, global supply chain panic. That's, a, that's one of my favorites. And so I went to him and I go, I have an idea. Can I, can I run it by you? He goes, okay. I said, how about scalability? And, and to watch his eyes open up, to, to allow him to then let that sink in. And then once it sinks in a little bit, I go, so the presentations that you've been doing to your peers, the presentations that you do to your customers, the, the way you present yourself on your LinkedIn profile, the way you look on your website, now that you have the CPOP, would, would you change everything or keep it as it is? He goes, oh my God, everything needs to change. Mm. And then what happens for the rest of his life, assuming that is that lifelong mission is scalability, sure. he then can live within his purpose because if he's identified it to himself. And, and what happens is the coolest part, when somebody's talking about their purpose, they light up because mm. it's fun. They light up because they know how they could solve the pain point of those people they interact with. They, their 
excitement is so enthusiastic, so infectious, that the person who's listening can't do anything but go, but, but remember it, because now we've, we have something that's one to 10 words. It's like so easy to remember. And then when you run across, let's say it's you, Martin, and you run across somebody who's talking about credibility, you're going to remember Mitchell Levy. Mm-hmm. It just, you're like, oh, wait. Or when next time somebody talks about clarity, mm-hmm. you're, oh, you know, this CPOP thing, Mitchell, you should think about that. And the reason I say that is because I have so many beautiful, if you, can I play, I know we're doing an audio, but can I play you a, a customer t- testimonial? Would, would that be a, yeah, a sure. odd to do? Sure or? Thing. Absolutely. I just finished my interview, uh, my cred reel with Mitchell Levy, and just in maybe five minutes worth of time, he was awesome. I came in, my CPOP was all over the place, and he was able to just get me directed. I'm sweating bullets thinking that, hey, we're going to miss the interview, and he's like, I got this. And so he's, he's very, very smooth at what he does. He's very, very, oh my goodness, he just knows exactly where to help you. Uh, say who you are, be who you are, and deliver your service purpose. And I think that that is that is an awesome thing. I've been waking, waiting 12 years to have somebody help me do that. He did it in five minutes. Thank you, Mitchell. What's interesting, I, and by the way, I I, I somehow interviewed. Well, thanks for the thumbs up. I somehow I, I somehow recognized when I hit somewhere around interview eighty that in that half hour, I could um, do a little bit of coaching up front. I can actually do the cred reel, which is six to eight minutes, and get a customer testimonial at the end. So now I have four hundred twenty customer testimonials, and, and many of them are similar or. Uh, or, or very similar in terms of the, the effect that they've had on the person I've interviewed with. And it's not me. I mean, I have to say, it's, to me, I just have, going back to my undergrad, I'm glad you asked me that question. I, there was a process, there's a system. And to me, I was just looking at the, the, the system of humanity. A, we're not happy in what we do. Uh, B, most of the people are doing, doing work that they hate. They don't like their home life. They're, they're, artificial at work and they're sometimes don't know how to be anything but artificial at home and they just don't get enjoyment they don't wake up and like love what they do and and so what i started putting together is this it's a very simple system when somebody goes to interview now now i love vera because she says uh, i did this in five minutes technically that's true <laughs> okay however she did watch the 13 minute video. I think she said more than once. She did watch past episodes. So she came in ready. Yeah, sure, sure. A lot right? of triggers, a lot of triggers. Yeah. And so, you know, I'll just say, it's not me. I'm good at, I am good at what I do, and, but it's not me. Excellent. It's, not only good, excellent. Are they aware their organization uh, is actually manifestation of themselves, that it's about mirroring? What do you think after, after the session? Are they becoming aware it's all about them? 
it's just one of manifestation of their way of thinking and, and living. And Martin, I, th I think I want to say yes, but before I say yes, could you, would you mind adding a little bit more just so, cause there, I, what I'm feeling is there's an implication in your question that I'm not, that I'm not understanding. So could you just share a little bit more and then I'll, and then I'll be able to answer it. Well, it depends from from the lens we are looking at at their transformation during your interview. So uh, I that's that's just my my feeling. My feeling is it's a very powerful interview. It's a lot of energy going on. It's a deep transformation. It's a transformation on a lot of different levels and maybe just maybe they start with the waking up process Ooh, so, I, I so adore your thinking process it's, it's thanks no no, no. we i we just have, so we have great I, i'm just flow. watching you process yeah. is beautiful yeah i have i have the the whole mind map uh, uh doing during our interview so oh, that's or awesome. discussion discussion <laughs> and and we have so much topics as you can see we are jumping oh my god through. oh and it, i'm trying keep to this in, but, and you should keep this in i'm looking at a graph of martin's notes in a mind map way and i'm thinking yeah, it's a mind that map. is so amazingly cool so i'm gonna say yes and then let me summarize it you can't have external credibility until you have internal credibility. Please define. Well, it, it comes down to the, the concept of what is, what is credibility. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll share a map uh, that, uh, that I'm happy to share. It's from my, from my book. And then the, uh, for those that end up coming to the summit, you'll get a copy of a PDF copy of my book for free. For those that want to pick up the book and help you understand what credibility truly means, how do you make how do you make yourself understand a what needs to happen? How do you get people to help you get there so that you can have both internal and external credibility? Uh, come to the Credibility Nation Summit. It is a free summit. It is October 9th and 10th. Um, the URL to get to it is aha.pub, A-H-A dot P-U-B slash C-N dash summit. And at the we've got 25 speakers. It is a two-day event. The first morning is is focused on what is the need for credibility in the world why do we need to have it it's it's essentially the results of the 500 people i i did research for and one of the things that i that we did is i actually contracted a firm who did a survey of the united states uh, we will go global but for this first year we did a survey in the united states of credibility and so the person who did the survey will be announcing those survey results and I've looked at those results. I can't talk about them. I could just say, wow. Um, and then we've got people talking and reinforcing the need for credibility. In the next three sessions, next three, you know, the afternoon and then the following day, morning and afternoon, each one of those segments are 
focused on first being known, second being likable, third being trustworthy. Mm -hmm. And I'm being known, Martin, it is not the fact that I know of you. It's the fact that I know you. Mm-hmm. And so I've broken the being known into four components that you have a desire to serve others, that I know your intent, your commitment, and your integrity. Because if I know that about a person, I could determine whether or not if they're saying something, I could, how much weight do I need to put on those words? Mm-hmm. Right. And each one of those segments. So being likable, two components. One is do you have the ability to share other other people's credibility, right? I call it, um, what I, I call it uh, cred dust. One of the words I wanna to add to the dictionary. Cred dust is this magical, it's this magical dust. Think of it as, as uh, Hermione reaching into her bag or think of it as Tinkerbell or think of it as fairy dust. It's simply when you reach into your bag and you share somebody else's credibility, what happens is they sparkle. What happens is you sparkle. What happens is, your audience sparkles. And when you look back in the bag, even though you've taken some out, it is not depleted. You have added to the bag and it's replenished and gone higher up. Mm -hmm. And many people do this. It's a good way when you're sitting on stage and you want more credibility, you, you point to the people in the audience, you talk about the cool things they've done. Many people don't, we just haven't had a name for it before. So that's my name Craig does. So likability is, do you share other people's credibility? Do Do you basically, do you share the stage? And then the, the second piece is, and I just call this, I summarize it, showing respect by showing up when you show up. So let me tell you what that means. Martin, I don't know if you're gonna be as shocked as I still am every time I say this. I didn't know when I, when I started doing the interviews that I needed to keep track of what time people came to the interview, mm-hmm. right? Because I'm doing, typically what I did is I did Facebook Live. So when people would come to the interview, I would, I would do a Facebook Live, and then we do so many other things in terms of sharing that content. And I started keeping track of when people were coming, and I, I then started defining for a live show, what does it mean to come on time? Coming on time is coming between nine minutes and four minutes before the show starts. Now, by the way, if you're a host and you have a live show and somebody doesn't come to four minutes, they're starting to panic. Coming early is coming 10 minutes or before. And by the way, the cool part, when I was doing just Tuesday, Wednesday afternoons, and I had 10 interviews back to back, half hour each, is if you actually came a half hour early, you get to watch the entire previous person's interview. And watching somebody go through a transformation, there is nothing, as as an observer, there is nothing cooler in the world. So let me tell you the shocking part. 23% of the 500 came late. 4% came super late or after the hour, or as I like to say, rude. So, so Martin, let me ask you this question because no one could ever say yes. Is it credible you're being interviewed by the global credibility expert on your credibility and you think it's credible to come after the half hour for a live show? Amazing. Maybe because, maybe because you are not a young, beautiful woman. Uh, there, there could be many reasons for that. No, sure, I'm just. I'm not sure that's the one. <laughs> the thing that's interesting to me, so so showing up when when you show up means coming early, being prepared, and coming with your heart. On the being prepared part, there were people who came to the interview and they weren't ready. And I'm like, now here's where it gets really fascinating. 
as we're talking and the people are not um, sort of feeling they're going to do, do a good job on the interview, 11% of the interviewees asked to reschedule. And when they asked to reschedule, I'm thinking, hey, that's kind of cool. They're showing their integrity. They're showing their vulnerability. Now, I'd like to say this in a positive way. Of the 11%, 83% actually came back and they did a color job. I'm not going to talk about the 17% that didn't come back. Right? So 83%. So if somebody says, hey, I'm not ready. I didn't prepare. And honestly, Mitchell, I really didn't think I needed to. And I realized I needed to. And let me prepare and come back. And then they come back and then they kill it in a beautiful way. Like I'm feeling really good about that person. They're showing their authenticity, their integrity, their vulnerability, right? That's a beautiful thing. What that says is if you have a meeting with somebody and you don't Google their name, you don't spend at least five minutes understanding who you're going to interact with before you interact with, you're being rude. And then last piece. Can, mm -hmm, excuse me. No, no, go ahead. No, no, I, no. Okay, I, I just I just want to jump in, and the the word I I would add is responsibility, and the word responsibility came from being able to respond to give the answer. So I don't That's know you have you have a well, it's not from my head; it's actually second order cybernetics. But never mind, response ability. So ability to respond. I so think if I'll... I can ask you, is there any chance that there is some kind of connection between those people did not showing up and uh, the level of their or the lack of their responsibility, being able to respond? Maybe they, they were stupid. Maybe they, they were not stupid. I had to, I had to... lazy. I don't know. I don't I'm going to answer your question. But let me also say, when somebody directs questions and gives thoughts in a particular way. I'll just say you've given me like at least four or five aha moments that I'll have to take back and reflect on. And I'm absolutely sure that future interviews will be that much more powerful because I've had a chance to think about your questions. So I first let me say thank you. Thank you. Mitch, uh, really. Mitchell, thank you very much. Oh you you all your kind words. Uh, well that's true. Right? It's not kind it just is. I mean but you're welcome. Uh, happy to happy to share. The the thing that's interesting by your statement is I don't I don't want to assume that people are stupid. No, I'm what just would, kidding, of course. That's no, 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 one but, of but my I ways of, of, of... I love that word because, of, of, by the way, interviews. I created a, a coordination pledge, and the pledge says I won't have hate in my life. So we can go back to that. you asked was are they stupid and in general i want to say no in general i want to say is we as a society are operating under the premises of the industrial age we have been taught wrong just flat out the reason why 98 percent of people can't articulate a c-pop which is one to ten words is because they've been drilled into the head that you have to give the value proposition and the value proposition typically starts with an I or we. And there's a percentage of the population, when you start with I or we, they think you're a salesperson and they will block, you know, like ad blockers on the screen, they will block the next 30 seconds. And it's, it's not that they're bad people. It's not that they're stupid people. Neither of that is true. It's just simply that we've been taught wrong.
and they are not aware they're they're not aware they've been taught wrong they don't see the benefit they don't see it internally there's there's so many different reasons i would prefer to think that the better part of valor is to to have a better education like what like if somebody actually knew and even though my video said that that it really is important that you come 10 minutes early when you're doing a live interview they actually knew that well to take action on that means and let me tell you what i do when when somebody book i've somebody books me on on radio and podcasts and other things and what i always have her do it doesn't matter if the show is 15 minutes or a half hour she always books an hour and she books a half hour before just so i can get myself in mental readiness and a half hour later just in case the host sort of goes longer mm -hmm. and i just so listen if you're gonna go and be on a live show you got to block off two hours of your calendar. If you can't do that, don't do it. Mm -hmm. If you can't show up when you show up, if you can't be ready, you can't prepare ahead of time, you, because life is so busy, then don't do it. Do something else. Do what you can do. Really focus very well. And then the last part of the, of the show up when you show up is come with your heart. I did have 20% of the audience. So the good part, I happen to be pretty good or really good at interviewing and making people feel comfortable. And so typically after doing the green room conversation, 80% of the people felt comfortable enough being themselves and showing their heart. It still says that 20% of the people either came very monosyllable, I can't even say those words, monochromatic <laughs> or, or they were robots, right? They just, they just didn't know how to open up because, the reason why this is important, if I get a half hour with you, and that's the only time I get with you in, in my life, or if that, if I get 10 minutes with you, and that's the decision of whether or not I want to continue interviewing you to hire you, I got to see you in 10 minutes. And I can't see who you are and, and what it will feel like to work with. What happens if you don't know something? Do you actually vulnerably say, I don't know, but I can research it and then have the intent? to go and follow through and make that happen because if you're not going to do that I, I tell you something another shocking point there was one person who when i asked for their cpop gave me their 30 second value proposition by the way people were typically doing it in three seconds so 30 second value proposition <laughs> uh i then said you know most of the people who do this really really uh memorable thing they're doing like 10 words or less could you try that 15 second value proposition and then go, you know, do you mind if I do a little bit of coaching? Now, here was the shocking part. He goes, and, and by the way, I don't remember his name and I don't want to remember his name. Um, and he goes, you know, Mitchell, do, I, do you mind if I coach? Yes, I mind. You apparently have your way of doing things. I have my way of doing things. I can't learn from you. Uh, so I don't want you to coach me anything. And, and so you and I had a conversation and before I could use some four letter words that wanted to come out of my mouth. Uh -huh. But instead, what I realized many times is the value of white space. Uh -huh. So instead, I was just quiet for a couple extra seconds longer. And he then said, I don't think this is going to work out for the two of us, is it? Uh -huh. My response is the upper road, because that is our job. If we're credible, we need to take the higher road. No, I don't think it's going to work out. Best of luck with everything you do in life. Mm -hmm. Now, let me give you the after effect. You're a hiring manager. 
you're, you're a VP of HR, you're, you're a CMO of your company, you're the CEO, and you're hiring a consultant to help you. Why would you ever hire somebody who knows so much about everything that they can't learn from anyone? That means they're not going to learn from your employees. They're not going to learn from the board. They're not going to learn from the person working the floor. They're not going to learn from your customers because they know more than everyone else. Now, in the industrial age, that's what a thought leader was. In the industrial age, that's what we were taught to do. We are no longer, well, I, technically we are in the industrial age, but where we need to go is one in which every human has a chance to add value. Every, every day I'm gonna learn something new, many times from multiple different people, regardless of their stature. And the way you process stuff and the, like, I wish I could sit down and do the mind map stuff the way you do. I just think that's so, I think my brain works that way, but I've never been able to do it. Give me a reason. Being likable, we just did that one. It was two, so basically it's a four, two, four model. So in being known, it's demonstrating the desire to serve others, knowing your intent, your commitment, and your integrity. Being likable is sharing the stage and showing up when you show up. And being trustworthy is demonstrating authenticity, integrity, vulnerability, and because of that guy and many other people being coachable in every situation. Now, if you were paying attention, I use the word integrity twice under both the being known pillar and the being trustworthy pillar. Uh -huh. And essentially that is my way of saying that integrity is more important than any of the other elements. How would you define stage? Is it a parable metaphor? It is definitely, I mean, uh, it's an abstract word. I, I so. think it's, I, it, it, by the way, I just so love that you'd even ask that question. Yes, it's, it's, it's a metaphor for when you're in front of some, let's say, hey, here we go. Great question. Let's say I say something really cool and now it's, it's, you're going to change this for the rest of your life. Well, do you actually give attribution to me or you just say, this is what I'm thinking? Now, we've been taught that we're supposed to be smart and come up with all these ideas ourselves and not to accept help from others. That was part of the industrial age, right? So sharing the stage is, it is okay that other people gave you ideas or thoughts or, or that your competitors, some of them are doing really amazing things. It is okay for you to quote your competitors and say, by the way, this is stuff that these guys are doing and I absolutely love it. What, there's nothing wrong with that. If your prospect is more interested in your competitor, it wouldn't have been fun for you to work with them anyhow. Uh -huh. Going back to the word fun, there would have been something that wasn't the right fit. You wouldn't have been able to deliver as much value, uh -huh. right? And what happens is the people who get attracted to you, that magnet when you know your CPOP, are the people who recognize 
that you are the best for them at this time because they're just a nice synergistic fit, that you've looked at the world and looked at what other people are doing and you've shared the best of within that space that you, that you call your own, the space that you're a thought leader, the space that you're a recognized expert, the space that you have credibility. Baby, I'm never been so clear and focused on on what it is I need to do and it's as I mentioned it is so much bigger than I would have normally I didn't accept this task immediately <laughs> I mean that it took me to 475 interviews it, it took me to 475 viewers who kept telling me because I can't touch everyone, right? I can't, you can't, you can't do it individually. So if it's about education, it's talking about how do we change society to think and act in a different way. And uh, so I, I'm doing my best to do it in a way that it's much more democratic than anything we've ever done in the past. Because mm -hmm. it's not about me. It's about creating an environment where people can live within in this case, a credibility nation. And they get the branding of this, of, of credibility nation, and they have the ability to, to deliver. For instance, there's somebody I, I just so adore. I think she's absolutely spectacular. And she said to me, you know, Mitchell, I've always had a dream. I've always wanted to create a certification program to help speakers speak better. Mm -hmm. And I also want to help put speakers on stage. She goes, can I be the person who creates the Credibility Nation Speaker Certification Program? And because I know her enough that I understand the being known and the being likable and the being trusted, because she has credibility in my mind, I said yes. I, I don't need a contract. We will put a contract in place at some point in time because that's how society works. But and this is over Zoom. So I virtually shook her head and no one else is going to come by and take that. If it takes too long before she delivers, I'm going to say, hey, what's going on? Do you, do you still want to do this? Right. But it's hers. I don't need I, I don't need anything else. And because I know I, we didn't even talk, need to talk about money because I just knew it would be fair. Right. Because what happens is when when you when you love what you do, when, when it's fun of what you do, and you know the purpose you're delivering, the money is a nice counter, but it's not the important part. The important part is the, is the counter is, is those souls that, that just have done so much better and live so much better. And, and so that's, to me, where I believe I've brought myself in my life today, I would like to have as many people as possible feel good about rolling out of bed. Like I, when people say, what are you gonna do when you retire? I, as long as I can continue serving others, I'm never gonna retire. As long as it's fun, I'm never gonna retire. When it becomes no longer fun or I'm no longer of service, 
that's the time to retire. And my guess is that's the time I die. And because I just love helping other people. There's just something so beautiful about having somebody get that aha moment, that, that thing where they, they see their lives or, or it could be just a single problem or completely transformational for the rest of their lives. And it, there's, it's so cool. It, you, you know, I, 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 it, it's, I mean, you know it because you've done it, but there's just nothing more powerful than that. And so to be able to create an environment where other people do that for other people within a framework of credibility, and, and there are just some things that, you know, I haven't worked all the detail and I'm, I'm still putting the roadmap in of what comes, what comes in. Uh, what I'm doing is rolling this out every six months. So uh, in, in October, there'll be a certain set of functionality. Um, in March, we'll do more. And, and what, what I'm looking for when I talk to people is people who I find credible, who I know, like, and trust and want to play. Mm. <laughs> right. And, and so Credibility Nation will we'll, we'll start off with credit card processing only because there's a friend I've known for 10 years. He's amazing at that. Um, we'll start off with unlimited lifetime learning in particular. We'll, we'll start off with, with badging and a learning community and so on. And, and I have a pledge. The pledge is really beautiful. Can I, can I, do you mind if I share the pledge with you? Absolutely. So it's, it, by the way, it was one of those things that's really interesting when you write a pledge. I've never written a pledge before because sometimes what you write, which is so elegant, is so different than when you have to memorize it and we say it. So I always forget one word in my pledge, but it was much bigger before I, before I actually did it in front of a video. But it's simply, I pledge to live credibly every day without hate in my life. I strive to be a good human and make this a better planet for myself my family, other people's families for this generation and the next. Really simple, really powerful because what it implies is that people, that's why I didn't want to use the word stupid before. Now, stupid is to know that when you come late to a live interview, it's bad. And then to come late without an excuse, that would be stupid. Okay. But not not knowing or not recognizing the rules of the game. I mean, we were taught in the industrial age that success was having 20 meetings a day. And what happens when you have 20 meetings a day, if one goes, one goes late, then they all go late. Well, what we need to now reinforce is, well, that doesn't mean you're important. That means you're being disrespectful mm -hmm. for everyone who you're late. That means that you're showing up uncredibly for the people that you're late. That means that those people you come late to, if you're a salesperson, you're not gonna get their business. Not only that, but when technology catches up with what I believe the global village will be, not only that, if you come late to all your meetings and you don't deliver, that reputation will follow you like bad Yelp scores. And so how do you live life in a world where there is no privacy? Well, if you live life credibly, you have nothing to hide from. And, and and you're not stupid anymore. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you can say that. I would say I'm I, I, I put it in a different way. No, I, I I I of course you're kidding. I I believe that with human interactions, 
if you can if you can show up credibly if you could show up as as yourself you even on the first call there were people in the first interviews where i just spent a half hour with them that we hit it we bonded so beautifully it, it we didn't just like each other we didn't just respect each other we didn't just appreciate how we both showed up we both loved each other and in the business world we've been taught that those are words you don't say and by the way if your hr department's going to get mad at you for telling somebody that your customer or somebody else that you love them don't say it on the other hand when for me there are some of these people in the interviews we left the interview and it was so transformational either i or the other person would say i love you and 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 the other person would say it back uh -huh. and and it's such a beautiful thing to be able to be so open and so transparent and and have that type of relationship and i, I don't know it to martin that's fun I, I you know i don't consider this work at all and even even the word communication came from comunis meaning meaning uh, having a community latin word comunis so it's uh, it's a very powerful word by itself Comunis. Yeah. Nice. Rachel, can you can you tell us once more uh, where we can find uh, details regarding credibility, nation summit, when it will happen? and what's the what's the process how 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 can we participate where we where we can find you if nothing else uh, I'll, I'll i'll answer all of those questions and more so <laughs> so you know the summit credibility nation summit is october 9th and 10th okay. the url to get there and we're using hey summit software to make this happen so it's a short url ahara.pub aha.pub slash CN dash summit. Now, if if you can't get there that way and that doesn't work, you just go to credibilitynation.com. You can see what the membership community is and how that works and what we're doing. If you need time on my calendar, I, there's not a lot of time between now and the summit, but if all of a sudden you go, oh my God, I need you for something, um, mm -hmm. you can go to my, uh, I have a generic site. I've got like a couple hundred domains. But I have a site called MitchellLevy360.com. Mm -hmm. So it's just my name, Mitchell Levy, M-I-T-C-H-E-L-L-E-V-Y-360.com. Mm -hmm. And typically I have a, a video that shows whatever I'm showcasing at the time. You can connect to me on social media and my calendar's there. So if you want to book time on my calendar, you can book time directly on my calendar. And, and I think I'll just, I'll, let me put a call to action. I just put something for you to think about. How do you feel when you wake up in the morning if you're a parent or if you're a grandparent? Are you happy with the way the world is? Are you happy with the news? Are you happy with the humans that you see? If in the definition of whether or not they're credible or dubious, how many more people are dubious than credible? And wouldn't you want to leave a better world for future generations? That's what I want. I want to tip the scale between credibility nation and dubious nation, and I want your help. And we can make this happen. We're gonna make this happen. So come join us at Credibility Nation October 9th and 10th or, or whatever comes next, whatever works well for your heart. 
but you want to bring credibility to yourself internally. You want to bring credibility to those around you. You want to bring credibility to your companies. You want to bring credibility to your clients. It will make for such a more beautiful experience when you can actually have true, honest conversations with people who you really like and you know and you respect and you could say you love. Come and join me in Credibility Nation. Beautiful, Mitchell. <laughs> Thank you so much for this wonderful opportunity to having a communis with you, communication, and keep in touch, and we will definitely continue with our conversations. Oh, I, I so, you were so much fun. I'll, I look forward to it anytime. 21st Century Entrepreneurship with Martin Piskarik.